0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Rebooted Halos Heaven podcast. I'm Dominic Lorenz, joined in by David Goodkind. And there is so much to talk about with the Angels as we are Friday, September the 10th. The Angels are still two games below 500. That seems like a recurring trend for this team. Uh, but before we get into that, David, how are we doing today?
1: Doing well. Hoping for a series win and, you know, the, tr- the upper trend continuing with this young core.
0: Man, that's... You said it perfectly, the young core of the Angels, a year where we expected Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, Anthony Rendon, early on Albert Pujols, and a hopeful revitalized starting rotation with Alex Cobb and Dylan Bundy. And right now we're getting a mess of crops of AAA guys sprinkled in with some major league talent. But as the favorite quote says, let the young kids play.
1: Absolutely. Well, you didn't expect Goslin to be on the roster every single day, batting cleanup now and all that that fun stuff. I don't think we
0: expected it. But hey, if the goose got to get loose, hey, let the goose fly wherever hey, he fits been, in the order.
1: He's, he's been great. He's he's uh, I think he's performed above what was expected of him coming in. And he's been obviously a, from what the lineup has to deal with every night. He's been a spark plug. So all the power to him.
0: You know The Angels have had some spark plugs this year, and we'll get into that a little bit here in the podcast, but let's start it off and just kind of set the tone for what the Angels have done the first week and a half of September this year. Three and four to begin the month of September, and to date it back two days prior, they took two of three from a red-hot New York Yankees team who had won 13 in a row at one point, lost a couple to Oakland, and then the Angels took two of three in the series, which was pretty impressive. Offense was working. Pitching was above average which is something different than the angels have had this season (laughs) but then they go and split a four game series with the texas rangers and split a mini two game series in san diego against the Padres. so three and four in september a tough road trip three in houston beginning tonight followed up by three against the red hot chicago white Sox. what do you take from the beginning of september and then what should you expect at least in the next six games, three against Houston, three against the White Sox.
1: Well, look, we, we've seen the story kind of all season, as you as you went to being the two games below 500, two games above, just hovering around 500. There's consistency in this inconsistency. So we're seeing growing pains, really, because you have so many of the bees now called up and these young kids where, you know, you know the perfect example is Jaime Barea. You never know what you're going to get out of him when he comes out. He can be a stud. Uh, he can implode after, you know, two or three innings. And that's kind of to be expected with this team right now. So the series like the Rangers where you, you you look so good in the first two games and then you fall flat in the final two, that's kind of to be expected right now. And I kind of expect more of that going along for the rest of September and in the first week of October. But, you know, it they're going to compete. This team's not going to fold. Uh, you're going to have really great moments like uh, the, the game against San Diego where they broke up the perfect game and, and won 4-0. Four, four and you, you, know, you think all hope is lost. The team keeps fighting and fighting and fighting and finds a way to win. And then the next night comes out and puts a dud on the mound. So you're going to have stuff like that happen. You're, there are going to be more highs, more lows. I expect more of a, more of the same. Another 500 record probably this, this September. And they probably won't get that close to the, the wild card spot. But they'll be worth watching because of the young guys like Adele and Marsh and Suarez, and seeing you know what they what what they can contribute, it's more, it's about building momentum going into the winter and the spring.
0: I agree. I think, like I said before, we expected Trout, Rendon, Otani, Pujols, and the whole group of cast to be healthy and happy and competing with the Houston Astros and potentially the Oakland A's right now for an AL West right. title. That got shot in the dark pretty much late April, early May. And we're just trying to figure out to put the pieces together. And as Joe Madden said early on, let's play like it's 1985. And with the group of guys that we have right now, they gotta play like it's 1985. Because for some of the guys, their jobs depend on it. This is an audition. September is right. auditioning for absolutely what can happen leading into the off season. What could happen in spring training 2022 and potentially opening day next year as well. But. This weekend against the Houston Astros, Otani, Suarez, and Berea. That's the starting pitching rotation today mm-hmm. through Sunday. And to to transfer into the pitching rotation of late, Otani, Suarez, Berea, and even Packy Naughton, their last starts over the past week have looked incredible. Otani right. seven innings. Eight strikeouts, a career-high 117 pitches. Suarez throws a complete game last Saturday. Berea goes seven strong. He had 14 consecutive batters out, which set a career-high for himself. And then Packy Naughton shoves five shutout innings against a very, very good San Diego Padres team. Yes, who's scuffling. But for your second career start, that's pretty good. The Angels rotation is also missing Patrick Sandoval, Griffin Canney, Reed Detmers, who's recovering from COVID-19.
1: And don't forget Chris Rodriguez, who I think is going to be a huge piece moving forward with this team.
0: And Chris Rodriguez is another strong piece that some people think he could be a starter. Some people think he might be the the next great setup guy to hopefully right. hashtag extend Rysell Iglesias. Let's just get out that right now.
1: I honestly think he's the most important piece for the Angels in this soft season. They haven't had a closer like him since, you know, K-Rod or even like a Houston Street type. This guy is automatic and I mean, he's one of the major reasons they're even close to 500 this season.
0: Yeah, there's been some times where Rysel's had to come in for a four or five out save and shut the door immediately because he came in with a bases loaded zero out situation. The beautiful statistic of inherited runners. I wish I could, I need to deeply find that one over the last decade and see how bad the Angels have been. But we know what we get from Shohei Otani on the mound. He's had an incredible second half. He's nine and one with a sub three ERA this season against the tough Houston Astros lineup. He found success May eleventh against them at Minute Maid Park, where he went seven innings and allowed just one run. He sets the tone. He's the ace of this step. How can Suarez, Berea, and all the other guys essentially learn from Otani, even though this is really only his second year pitching for the Angels as a true ace of a staff?
1: It's uh, you know you hear it a lot from the coaches on the staff and the players, Otani is a real student of the game. And the guy is always analyzing, you know, his swings, his pitching stats. He's always trying to find a way to get better. And a guy like that is going to be very observant. So going to him uh, in sort of a mentor role, I think is the way to go. The guy is 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 always focused on the next pitch. He's probably the most uh, um, ruthless in, in I guess self-observation on the team. It's never good enough for him. I think, uh, you know, Alex Cobb has also been uh, apparently a mentor on, on the team. And I think talking to those two guys, uh, just getting a feel uh, of, of, of how they go about their business. Because the way we hear about it is there's no one better in the game than Otani at, at taking everything so, so seriously and, and pragmatically and, and doing everything the right way. I think that's, that's, that, that's the way to go, really, is pick his brain. Talk to him you know, see what, see what his routine is and, and, and sort of uh, mimic if you can.
0: Well, and these are guys where you could look a couple months ago at the all-star game, when all players from American league and nationally get together, they're all swapping stories and, and tips and tricks to further their careers and do a lot of things better than maybe they haven't done before. But, and we got to remember too, and I know this gets talked about all the time with every media source that, at least likes Shohei Otani because there's some that believe he's not an MVP candidate. Sure, he's he's doing all of this on the mound while swinging a bat. 43 home runs, 20 plus stolen bases. He is pushing, and I think with what 20 22 games left in the regular season, it's going to be hard for him to push a 50 home run, 30 stolen base season. It it could yeah. happen, but he's doing all this hitting and pitching. And truly, really hasn't gotten a true day off, except for the scheduled off days. And he's keeping himself very fresh, very prepped. And he's looking like a beast each and every day.
1: If it were so easy, everyone would have done it by now, right? You have all these two-way stars in high school. The, 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 what he's doing is unprecedented, but, it ha- but it's been tried before at lower levels. And, and the fact that it's crazy, like you mentioned, it's crazy, the stress that must be going on his body every single day. And so to, to be able to do this for as long as he has, as well as he's been playing uh, (laughs) the preparation has got to be insane. It really does both physically and mentally.
0: Yeah. You hear it from angels broadcaster, Mark Gubiza all the time, the day after I pitch. And again, the eighties is different from present day baseball. So take, take that as a small grain of salt to the, to the statement that the day after you pitch, you feel like your arm is ready to fall off. You put all the work into that one start. And if it was a success, or not a success, you're still gonna be tired and show hey the next day, and you can break down his stats the day he bats on the day he pitches and the day after he bats the day he pitches. He's even stronger the day after, and he flexes his muscle and, and knocks 420-foot bombs out of the ballpark each and each and every game. It it's insane to think that he can do this on a consistent basis and it's incredible.
1: I'm I'm really curious to see next season how how he you know, bounces. I want to say, I want to say bounce back. Cause he has, he's having such an incredible season, maybe arguably the best ever. And so how he takes us into next season with all of the, the pressure he's putting on his body. And, and I love this quote from the all-star game and the all-star break is I'm doing this for the fans. It's like, yeah, I'm in pain. Yeah. I'm tired, but it's for the fans and it's growing the game and, and, and all that stuff. Like the, how do you hate the guy? Honestly, yeah. how can people just be like anti Otani? He's literally He's what the Angels wanted of Trout as the face of baseball. This guy's so marketable. He's so likable. The ladies love him. He's hidden, you know, almost 500-foot dingers. Most well-rounded player in baseball since I can remember, at least. Yeah. Maybe Ken Griffey. It's, it's crazy.
0: It is crazy to think. And I think it's one of those situations where if he isn't on your team, you're not going to love him because it's like, Dodger fans, Yankee fans, Red Sox fans, all the top five marketable teams in Major League Baseball had a shot at this guy and the Angels came in and I guess you could say swooped him. You know, he, yeah. had, he had a great relationship with then GM Billy Epler and he felt that with Mike Trout, Albert Pujols at the time, this was the team to be with. And, you know, fast forward a couple of years, he's with us now. And yes, there's a couple of things probably to his game. You know, he's a big swing and miss guy. So it's either home run or yeah. strikeout. So and that's been apparent. Yep. The past month or so. So there's still a couple things to work out in his game, but I think the biggest thing heading into next year, I think he can replicate what he has done this year, next year and future, but would Joe Madden be more apt to maybe sit Otani the day after he pitches, if he has a full lineup of Trout, Rendon, Walsh, Fletcher, so on and so forth, instead of, if we don't have Otani in the lineup, like we, if, if Otani sat out tonight and wasn't pitching, Who's going to be the two-hole? Who's going to be the thump in your order? Maybe Jared Walsh. And after that, it's going to be kind of short to say the least. But if you have Trout and Rendon, when they're hot and healthy, maybe you can afford maybe having Otani off one extra day during the week.
1: I love that problem. I know. I
0: think the the Angels have so many problems. We want to have the good problems and not the bad problems.
1: And imagine if they add, like, another bat this offseason to fill, you know, maybe shortstop. You have another protector in the lineup. Let's, you know, fingers crossed. But yeah, I think that would definitely, that would most definitely help uh, the, the workload of Otani next year.
0: Exactly. So, you know, him on the mound, he's going to do what Otani does best. And you hope at least the remainder of the year Suarez, Berea, Pacquiao, and we'll see if Reed Detmers comes back in, in some capacity this year. If they can build on what they have and see what they have for spring training, because I think it's it's not a secret. Angel fans know, and if anybody doesn't say this, they're probably living under a rock and don't understand baseball. <laughs> the Angels need pitching. Yes. We've said that for years. It's happened in very low spurts. I don't know if – no offense to Matt Harvey and Trevor Cahill. And oh, all Ma- offense attended. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to be uh, nice to these players, but you know, the resurgence of Tin limbs to come or, you know, that's, that's signed Joe Blanton to a three-year deal. You know, hopefully those deals are some of
1: the past. We don't say his name in my household. I'm just going to put that out there.
0: (laughs) It's it's a very, it's you're walking a very thin line when you bring up those names in certain parts in the angels fandom in some sort, but, quickly let, let's dive into this briefly to the the pitching market is not going to be totally depthy if that's even right. a word this offseason we already know Max Scherzer Noah Syndergaard and Marcus Stroman are probably going to be your top three notable front of the line starters that are going to get the most look and you can look right probably
1: now Granky also I think is a free agent right
0: Grinky at 38 years old he's still getting it done yeah you can look at all these guys. Look at Max Scherzer. He's, he's shoving right now with the Los Angeles Dodgers, which pains us to say a little bit. But Cy Young
1: candidate too. Yeah.
0: Sun, yeah Cy Young candidate. What should, besides getting pitching, who should be maybe the one target the Angels look at? Because to me, I think the surefire answer is, of course, Max Scherzer. We'd all love to have a Max Scherzer. But let's take a step down for a minute. Who would be a more logical when maybe balancing money or addressing maybe now a need at shortstop and pitching at the same time? So this is a tricky question, right?
1: You have uh, the angels, the angels are starting to show some promise at the starting, starting uh, pitcher position, which they haven't in the past, right? We had, we banked it all on Griffin canning before we banked it all on, on Gert Richards uh, and it didn't pan out. Right. But now you have a couple options, right? You have, you need like three of like six prospects to really hit, and that's very possible with, with guys like, like Rodriguez and Suarez and, and Barea in addition to Otani. So you really only need one, one starter. And, and if I had to take a starter, I'd probably pick Stroman. Uh, he's younger than the other guys. He, he's still going to be expensive, um, but he'll cost a little bit less than Scherzer. I'm assuming, I'm assuming the Dodgers get into a bidding war for Scherzer, especially with like the giants and the Padres. And there's going to be a little bit of fear that drives up that market. So um I, I, I want to lean Stroman here, and I don't think he, he's completely happy with the Mets situation either. That's kind of a, a dumpster fire over there right now. Um, with the shortstop position, I think that's uh, an important uh, thing the team should really address. And, and you've seen it with the depth. I mean, it's really nice to talk about a healthy lineup, but this team's never healthy. So you need some offensive power here and, the, and they're gonna have money to spend, right? You're gonna have, up to coming off the books next year, you have Pujols off this year. Uh, there's gonna be money to be thrown around here. And especially without a, a salary cap, Artie's gotta spend. If he wants, I mean, you had to sell $3 tickets during Labor Day just to get people in the seats and people still didn't show up. You need, if you really wanna compete and, and get put butts back in the seats, I know this year they're gonna finish outside the top 10 attendance for the first time since 2002. And, if, and, and, and you can say COVID and all that stuff, but we're comparing to every other team who's dealt with COVID as well. You're still going to finish around like 17th in the middle of, of, of baseball. And, and Southern California is such a passionate baseball fan base that it shouldn't be hard to fill seats, especially in Orange County. So I think, and a lot of that's been health. The team's not performing because they're just never healthy. So I think de- adding depth at shortstop, you can look at a Carlos Correa, you can look at Seeger. If you want to get um, creative here, you can put Chris Bryant, you can look at him and move Fletcher to short. So I, I love Fletcher at shortstop if, 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 if they don't add a big name. Um, so I, I would look at shortstop. I think Stroman is probably the, if we're going to go for starters, that's that's where I would zone in on Stroman. He's a big name. He can be a good number one or two right next to Otani. It's a really good one-two punch. And then, but I would what I would really focus on with am the Angels, you need to fix the bullpen. That is a mess. You got to sign Iglesias. I, I, it's just you, you have to do it. The guy is argue is inarguably a top end closer. He's, in my opinion, like I said, the most important signing of the off season. And then you got to build around him. Got to get him a setup guy, maybe another bullpen guy, and see, you know, see what you got from from guys like Junk and other acquisitions from you know the trades they made this year. But you need, you need, you need a bullpen because if you, if you're winning four one in the seventh and the bullpen comes up and you know, all of a sudden you're losing six to four there's not much the offense and starting pitching can do you need you need to put some guys back there so i think that would be the main focus and then sort of a tie between focusing on shortstop and and rotation
0: you know and the angels have had some guys come up from triple a that have looked not too bad out of the bullpen right. austin warren andrew Wance those two guys i, think I love have- warren that guy
1: that guy's got balls of steel
0: I love him. He's not afraid at, of anything. He no, he'll come into a bases loaded, no out situation, and he could face the middle of, let's say, you know, the Yankees order of Rizzo, Judge, and Stanton, and go one, two, three, and end the inning and keep your lead intact. So I think there's a couple guys from Triple A that can get a deeper look once if they get back this season. Warren again have the have the COVID 19 um, and into spring training next season, but the bullpen, of course. Needs to be addressed. Rysel, please extend him. Artie, if you're listening. I don't yes. know if you listen to these things, but Artie. Do it yesterday. Do it yesterday. Whip out the pocketbook. You claim you have the money. Let's let's start it now here on September the 10th. Set up guy, of course. See what you have in the bullpen. Starting rotation. I love Marcus Stroman, and I agree. The Mets right now are, are, are a hot, recycled mess. Um, they started off strong. The relationship, I think, is being severed between Stroman and the Mets. So I think he could be somebody yeah. that comes over. Now my question, and this is just a flat yes or no question, or sure. maybe, if the Angels go after Strowman or somebody of that caliber, does Alex Cobb come back?
1: Yeah, I think I think a one or two year deal is on the table. It sounds it sounds like he never want to be traded, and this is it, he was asked this during some of the biggest struggles the Angels were facing this year. Right now, they've kind of found a, a plateau where it's not too bad or too good; it's just kind of there. And he's saying he he liked being on the team during during the downtime. So I think, um, they they can pay him, they can pay him a respectable wage. They can give him a one year two year deal or whatever they can give him. They can multiple years. I think he'll, he's probably going to get from somebody if, if they get if the numbers, right. I think he stays.
0: Yeah. And I think, I know he and Joe Madden have a terrific relationship back in the day when they were with the Tampa Bay Rays together and he's built a really good relationship with general manager, Perry Manassian. So I could see Cobb staying and he had a great month of July before the blister and the wrist injury 50 50 shot. If he comes back this season, it's probably slim to none, but you never know what can happen. Maybe he gets one or two starts before the end of the season.
1: Learn more at marines.com.
0: There's so much to dive into the pitching, and let's talk about some offense and defense a little bit. Let the kids play. Joe Adele, yes. Brandon Marsh, this is their time, especially with the Broadway lights of Randon and Trout are not there. Adele and Marsh have been the opening act, and they've been getting it done. Adele in his last 15 games, a 321 average, three home runs, 14 runs batted in. He has five, three or more RBI games this season. His defense has completely improved. And last night, I was watching a little bit of the AAA Salt Lake Bees game on MILB-TV, and Manassian is actually in Salt Lake, and he was talking to their broadcaster, Steve Colkey, saying that after the 2020 season, after the struggles Joe Adele had, defense was 1A and 1B, he had a fix in order to be a Major League Baseball caliber player. And he did it. He came up. And he has showed that numerous times, throws from right field, gunning guys out at third, diving plays in left field. Joe Adele, as as we say on social media, hashtag Joe knows. He knows what he's doing now, and he is looking red hot. Let's just put this out there. Joe Adele
1: belongs, right? He comes up last season. He's struggling. People are questioning, including myself. The defense was really bad. And we figured he probably figured out on the plate the defense was, was just, you can't. He can't be giving up the kinds of errors he was, like you said, totally turned around this year. He's been very, very good. He's made some, he's made some web gyms out there too in, in, in right field. But I think the key to him and his success this season is he's really lowered his, his swing and miss rate. He's, he's looking for better pitches pitches. He knows he can hit in his wheelhouse and he's just, like you said, Joe knows he's been a very smart baseball player this year. And watching, you, you, you see the talent he has, and you put that knowledge and that talent together, and we're starting to see something special develop. It seems like anytime there's a clutch situation, he's up there. He's delivering, too. The guy is becoming a really smart, talented baseball player, and I can't wait to see his future.
0: Yeah, and last season when he came up, you know, it was exciting for fans because at the time, number one prospect, hey, he's, he, he's here to play. And then we saw the ebbs and flows of his game, and we saw his demeanor – at the plate, in the field, and sometimes in the dugout, it was just kind of stagnant. I think it was maybe a little bit of shock and awe and just that I'm up to the big leagues. I'm going to have my strifes. And this year, we're seeing a completely different ag- uh, uh, Joe Adele. Even just a simple single up the middle to lead off an inning. He's at first base clapping his hands, and he's pointing he's so in the dugout. He's so much to watch. Yeah. He, is, he is that energizer bunny. We did not see last year, and his best friend, his buddy, his outfield mate, Brandon Marsh, the Jesus-looking, Chris Stapleton-looking fella, however you want to call him. Brandon Marsh, an incredible road trip from Baltimore uh, to Detroit, Cleveland, that whole road trip in August. He finishes three oh nine, a home run, 11 RBIs, five doubles, and in their last game against the Padres, for the first time ever, he hits in the two-hole. Now that could be something that Joe Madden, again, he has to play with the lineup, at least in NL parks with no Shohei Ohtani. So that was a, I guess you could say victim of circumstance in that sense, but he is a table setter. He gets on base. He's a contact hitter. You could have at some point Fletcher, Marsh, Trout, Rendon, Ohtani. I don't know what the combination, but something along those lines. If Marsh bats number two. So Adele and Marsh, let's give some love to Marsh for a minute.
1: Yeah, absolutely. First,
0: First week or two, his bat was back in A Salt Lake having a nice vacation. And all of a sudden he goes out on the road and he is good gracious, great balls of fire. Marsh is playing terrific baseball. Is this the outfield of the future? Adele and left trout and center, and maybe Marsh and
1: right, or you, you figure out the combination of three guys. Yeah. I think, sliding marsh in second is in the second spot in the lineup is probably the way to go in the future like for all the reasons you mentioned great table setter super fast on the bases um in terms of future of the outfield i personally hope so with how well the young kids have been playing there's always the opportunity for a trade i think it would be a serious mistake to trade and either of these two guys for pitching or someone even established, I think age is so valuable these days. And these kids, they're kids. And, and right now they're playing with, with confidence and they're having fun. And you see it and they're just going to get better. And so we've seen, we've seen the floor now with these guys and, and their floor is everyday base is everyday major leaguer. Right. So um, I really hope that's the outfit of the future. I think eventually Marsh becomes the everyday center fielder and they move to, to left but that's a conversation for a whole other day with, with, with Marsh. I, I love the patience they've had with him in Salt Lake. He's come up. He had that rough week the rough start to the sea rough start to his season, I guess. And um, they've navigated it pretty well. And he's responding. And I, I think with him and Adele, it's, it's confidence and, and comfort. They've seen major league pitching. Now they, they both raked at the lower levels and now they're starting to get their dividends now. So yeah, to Long story short, to answer your question, yes. I do think that's the outlook of the future. Uh, of course, that pulls into question Upton's role with the team next season, which could get uh, uh, sticky this offseason because he's owed a lot of money. We'll see how that plays out. But I, I, you got right now, you have to be playing these guys every day. I really think so. Yeah, and, and I,
0: I agree with you 100% of the way. I felt this once Adelman Marsh started – to get hot and you really saw who they truly were as as players that this i think we knew for a long time that this was what the angels wanted to be the outfield of the future trout adele Marsh. and now yes with trout out but with adele and marsh playing extremely well that picture is starting to become much much clearer and yes the situation next season with justin upton could get very sticky but as we've seen this year Perry Manassi and Arnie Moreno are not afraid to cut ties with somebody that has a lot of money. They did it with I Albert Pujols. Yeah. They did it with Albert Pujols. They did it with Jose Iglesias. So I know the Angels have tried this season briefly to work out Justin Upton at first base. They never did it in a game, but you saw it when they were on the road trip in Detroit and in Baltimore, and I think maybe a little bit in Cleveland, that he got some reps at first base with Jared Walsh. And that begged the question: well, maybe in a situation where if all three outfielder's are hot and Upton's hot too, and quote-unquote if he's not injured at the same time, um, huh. if if we're facing a left-handed pitcher and Walsh has not been strong against left-handed pitching as much this year, maybe Justin Upton plays first base on an emergency basis in that case. That yeah. situation could arise, but after seeing, as I said, what happened this year, for example, Albert Pujols, I wouldn't put it out of a question that if everybody starts off healthy next year and Marsh, Adele, and Trout get off to a red hot start and Upton's kind of mediocre sub at best, I wouldn't be too shocked seeing them in May and June say, okay, Upton, thanks for your time with the Angels. Um, turn in your cleats, turn in your jersey, and you're on your way.
1: Something to monitor going forward.
0: The Angels, at least Perry in, in his almost year as the Angels general manager, you've seen he has been patient with players like Adele and Marsh, and somebody that a lot of people have been talking about on social media, somebody I wrote about yesterday, Michael Stefanik, and I know he is an infielder. The Angels have sort of an infield knee right now with no Rendon and Iglesias gone. So we're rotating Hifo and Kian Wong and Jack Mayfield and Phil Goslin a little bit. It's all about patience with Perry Manassini. And he said this last night in Salt Lake that Stefanik is looking great but there's still more things to work on on the defensive side of things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that Manassian and Joe Madden have come on an agreement together that it's almost defense before offense, because anybody can see if someone's batting over three double digit home runs, high RBIs, doubles a palooza. He's, he runs well, steals bases. He could make a factor in the bat in the batting order one through nine. Yeah. Madden and Manassian favor the defense and I don't blame them you always want to have defensive runs saved and every every defensive metric especially with shifting right now and they want Stefanik to work on that more and probably the remainder of this season so I think after hearing that last night I think that cements Stefanik staying in AAA the rest of the way barring any most likely barring any maybe knock on wood any injuries to somebody that forces their hand a little bit
1: but oh you know it's probably inevitable
0: it's inevitable. Come on, Justin Upton sneezed. No offense, and and hurt his back. So the Angels are oh, just for three used, years. Yeah, the Angels it's are just used to bad news, bad injuries. We there is no luck sometimes with this angel team. Just because you watch a game and the Angels come back one nine in the ninth inning, and people think, oh, our luck's turning around. Yeah, no, it's you get one and then you you get five taken away from you for every right. one good thing yep. that happens. And speaking of good things and bad things happening with the Angels. You brought this to my attention yesterday. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was an article written about Albert Pujols, and I'll let you elaborate more on that. And I found it very interesting because I know a lot of Angel fans have a lot of feelings about when the Angels released Albert and come to find out he goes to the Dodgers and he's quote unquote, getting his swan song right now. He's going to go to the playoffs, probably have a deep playoff run. It's a little scorning for a lot of Angel fans. And like I said, you can, you can take more in depth on that one.
1: Sure. So the article essentially does put the blame on the angels for how everything panned out. The, the fallout with pools, the signing of pools, the fact that he's having some relative success with the Dodgers, all the angels fault, right? And we can't, you know, the, the franchise can't do anything right. And I get how you can feel that, right? It's it's the last decade has been pretty frustrating as an angels fan, aside from maybe 2014 before the playoffs. And then there's a you know run at the end in sixteen, but it hasn't been fun. And so you know uh, what I've noticed being a fan of the, of the team for so long is that we do kind of roll around in the mud and and, and enjoy the pain sometimes. It's it's, it's very uh, uh, masochistic in that way, I guess. But with Pujols, you have to you have to take kind of a, an outside approach. Like the article, the article was very damning of the Angels. I think. The situation worked out for everyone. There are there are moments, believe it or not, where two teams can win a trade, where everyone can win a situation. This is kind of one of those, right? The Angels weren't going to make the playoffs with pools. You know that he is he was not the defining factor in anything. Uh, he was eating up at bats from Otani and Walsh, both of whom were All Stars this year. Right. So Walsh maybe doesn't make the all star team and doesn't continue his emergence if Pool is still on the team. And then Pool goes to the Dodgers and contributes as a platoon player there. I mean, the guy's had some clutch hits. I know he's batting like 236 right now. Uh, so he's not exactly like an all, you know, like an all world beater and, and, and blowing it up over there. He's having nice moments. I think what it comes down to is Dodger fans are really, really good at getting under our skin. The, the T.O. Albert thing probably pisses a lot of fans off i know it bothered me for a while Thanks, angels for paying the 30 million for albert to hit a home run and in a 4-1 win over the diamondbacks like it's the little things that add up that probably irk fans to the point where the 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 facts get skewed a little bit and look pools had was a one all-star appearance or two with the angels i think it was one right i believe in cincinnati
0: it was one in cincinnati because he mike trout were in the in the starting lineup together batting two and three maybe
1: lead off in three but uh so that's and that was for half a season then he fell off in the second half like the guy has not played at a hall of fame level at any point with the angels he's had his moments uh he's been nice he by all by all accounts he's a, a great person but he definitely did not live up even close to the contract and so there's resentment of him sort of I guess you want to say stealing money from the angels or whatever, that there's a lot of feeling. My point is there's a lot of feelings being thrown around with Coles that we forget that the business move of, of the Dodgers picking him up and the angels cutting him work for both sides. Everybody's happy. He's probably not going to retire. Uh, at the end of the year so it's it's interesting to see what he does next year and all that i don't really believe this is his swan song personally you know he's got a negative 0.4 war this year it's not it's you got to stop blowing this out of proportion he's not the savior of the dodgers their offense is struggling right now with him or or without him in the lineup so he's not exactly a game changer for them either he's just teo albert who's you know they're posting videos of him hugging players and having fun in the dugout saying he's having fun for the first time in 10 years. So it's really just shot at the angels and the angels fan base. And I think that's really getting under our fans skins. And I think you need to kind of set that aside and say, fine, enjoy your Tio Albert hitting, you know, once every two or three days and going, you know, one for three with a walk in a home run or whatever. And, and, in a blowout win for the Dodgers and, then look at Walsh and Otani and see what they're doing and put things into perspective. It's all about perspective with this. And I think calmer heads need to prevail in this situation. Good for everyone involved, right? Good for everyone involved.
0: I agree. And I think it's one of those things where angel fans or maybe even baseball fans in general, that maybe follow Albert, but don't care what team he's on. They just see something shiny and they're like, "Oh, we're going to just pay attention to this the whole time and totally ignore. Like you said, what Otani and Walsh have done as well. When you look at the stats, Albert is having a sub year and when you look no was he with the Angels what he was with the St. Louis Cardinals that is absolutely a no did Albert have his moments and his career making moments his 600th home run and all these RBI accolades and the hit accolades yeah so there was nice shiny moments for me as an Angel fan for ever my entire life and remembering the day when Albert signed the big massive 10 year contract On a scale of 0 to 10, 10 being it was worth the money and zero meaning he never played a single game, I would say he was maybe a 5 just because there was moments, it looked nice, but it wasn't what it should have been. And the Angels track record with free agents, we could there's a list a mile long, Pujols, Josh Hamilton, Vernon Wells, CJ Wilson. I'm missing many, many more, but those are just like some of the four or five that cut deep with the Angels fan base. And I get it. The Dodgers fans will take Albert, and if the Dodgers win a World Series championship again, that will just infuriate Angel fans mm-hmm. to, the, to the deep depths of earth. Albert, the only thing that rubbed me the wrong way about the whole situation with the Angels and Albert was the Angels knew what they had, Otani and Walsh, and they presented that to Albert. And he said, I'm not a platoon player. He, he's very prideful in himself, as yes. I want to be an everyday guy, even though I'm over 40. I still got a lot to give in his mind. And again, the mind and the heart are two separate things. As we always say, father time is undefeated unless football joke, unless you're Tom Brady, but but he goes to the Dodgers and in his opening press conference, he says, I'm totally great with being a platoon player. Yeah, And I'm like, wait a minute. Didn't you just say in your like exit interview with the angels that you wanted to be a starter and, you know, screw this platoon thing. So it just very disjointed responses that I think, he want at that point, he wanted out. And that's why I'm like, you know what, Albert, I tip my cap. Thank you for what you did. Whatever you do with the Dodgers, you do. I'm not going to like the Dodgers. So if you win, you win. If you don't, you don't. Let's just go our separate ways and say yes. we had a great time. And fans got to remember, there, he will forever have a tie to the Angels. That will never go yes. away. He was here for nine years. And it's a deep thing. And you can talk about Albert and his struggles, the Angels in the last decade and their struggles. And you and I talked about this right before we started the podcast today. There was an article in The Athletic today that had mentioned former Angel broadcaster Victor Rojas. And he had talked about the Angels. And one of the reasons why he left the team after the 2020 season, we knew he wanted to apply for the general manager job for the Angels before they hired Perry Manassian. He left, is now the general manager with the Texas Rangers A team, the Frisco Rough Riders in Texas. But he said, and I quote, He Victor Rojas was tired of watching the product the Angels were putting on the field every day. The performance was lackluster, and so too was the front office's vision for the team, and it made him, quote, pissed off. If that doesn't speak volumes, and again, this is pre-Perry Manassian, so nothing against Perry Manassian at this point. This would be the Billy epler Artie Moreno regime. That speaks Heavy volumes, especially for somebody who's been with the team for a decade in the broadcast booth and seeing the goings on on a
1: day-to-day basis. So, I want to call a little bit of BS. I love Victor, uh, great broadcaster. I'm, I'm I hope he's really happy. You know, working, you know, deeper in baseball now and all that stuff. Uh, guy seems great, but I, I think there's a little bit of BS and some hurt feelings in all this, right? You don't fire Epler if you don't agree with the lack of vision in the front office, right? You don't bring them back or you don't fire him. If, if you think everything's going great. Right. So obviously there's some agreement there with Artie and that's why he was hiring a new GM. So anyone he would have brought in would have brought in a new vision. Correct. And so I think Rojas wanted to advance his own career, which all the power to him, honestly, if he wants to work as a GM absolutely should have. Right. Um, but Artie and, and the hiring, hiring team went a different way. And I think Rojas probably felt pretty spurned by that. Probably felt like he put in his time and his due diligence and uh, probably felt really slighted that the team went in a different direction. Probably thought he probably, I don't, I don't want to say was owed the role of GM, but should have been given probably more of a strong consideration than he, than he ultimately was. So I get being frustrated. He's not wrong about the team having lackluster vision for the last decade. But I think there are some uh, emotions driving, driving this. And more so, I think he, he was just ready for a different chapter in his career. At the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. If he wasn't going to get the GM, he wasn't going to stick around. He was going to go somewhere else that started him uh, on, on that path towards uh, upper management.
0: Yeah, you don't put that on paper and say, you know, I'm the broadcaster of the Angels. I just finished the 2020 season, which is my 10th with the team. I'm going to apply for the GM job that I really want, barely make it out of the first round, as he said. And it was a shock to Angel fans because we didn't even know he wanted it to further his career in this direction. Right. But this isn't somebody, again, somebody who's very prideful and wants to excel. He's not going to go for the GM job, not get it and say okay, I'll just go back to my, my little box here at Angel Stadium and be on TV for three and a half, four hours a day and watch the team potentially fall into the same pattern over and over. And, yes. then, and he'll sit there and say, okay, why am I doing this? So it made sense. As soon as you knew he was applying to the GM, you knew he wasn't coming back in the booth and he was going to go find an endeavor somewhere else. And more power, I agree, more power to him. And it looks like he's having a fun time with the Frisco Rough Riders, and I have a broadcasting friend who was in the Cal League with me in 2018. Um, I believe it was 2018, I take that back. I think it might've been 2017. Zach Bigley, he is their broadcaster for the Frisco Rough Riders, and he cannot say more positive things about Victor Rojas as a general manager, as a boss, as a friend. Um, So I think it's a win-win. I agree, I feel there's some soiled feelings Yes. In there, there it's some bitterness, but I think it's tough love,
1: I'll say yeah. simply. Time's gonna heal this wound. Like there's the there will be mending. Uh it's it's an unfortunate situation for the Angels because Victor was so great. I really believe um the the, the duo Rojas and, and gubiza were were just, you know, top of the line broadcasting so it, it does hurt in that sense i i, I really enjoy best versions take especially this season but you know rojas was such a, a i always called him the voice of my summer right you you know you spend yeah. all the days in front of the tv just listening to rojas talk and obviously the guy knows the game and and he's probably you know when, when when you sit down and look at it if he's doing the right thing he's he's such he's so knowledgeable about the sport and so good that that moving on it it does make sense and 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 all this you know as a fan it it sucks to see that he was just so mad at the team when it when it's all said and done but you know i i like it like you said i think it's going to work out for everyone involved i i think manassian's definitely got a different outlook than previous gms where it's where it's just like we're going to keep adding to we fix the problem and manassian's like no we're going (laughs) to address the problem head on and cut it if we have to
0: my biggest thing on Manassian, I, I, I love him as a GM. And again, this is only the first year. So maybe this is the honeymoon period. Sure. But truthfully, this isn't coming into the season. And the day he got the job and he looked at what he had to do with the roster, he was technically given. This wasn't fully his team this year. Yes. He made nope. some small one-year deals and what so, but as angel fans should know, if you look at the payroll and you look, what's going on in the world and everything else with the organization this wasn't his year this upcoming offseason is where Perry Manassian gets to make his mark there's no Pujol's yep. money um well t- this year and maybe next year because Upton's money comes off next year the following offseason so the well, they can
1: operate this offseason with with that anticipation
0: they get, with that anticipation correct so I think this is the off season. I think we're I think if the Angels had did well this year and made a playoff run, and even if they won a World Series or didn't win a World Series, it was just like, hey, we made it to the playoffs with all these one-year deals. We got lucky, and whoo, great. And if we lose, well, it is what it is. This was like an is-what-it-is type season. right? This offseason moving forward, now it's Manassian's team. He gets to put his true mark on this team. And as as we said earlier, Artie, if you're listening, get a little closer to the mic here and listen a little bit. Pay Rysel, and let's pay for some pitchers. I know you're probably going to pay for a shortstop, but let's pay. Open the pocketbook. We got some money. Let's have a grand old party, and let's get back in the playoffs because Angel fans need it. Angel fans want it. Mike Trout needs it. Otani needs it. The list goes on forever, and that's my piece, Artie Moreno. We're starving, (laughs) Artie. Feed us. (laughs) We are starving. And before we wrap up here the podcast, we were talking about this earlier, Angels – Houston three game series this weekend, followed up by a day off on Monday. Three in Chicago to take on the White Sox before returning home for the final home stand this year. And let's give you a preview for what's happening in the Houston series. The lineup has come out: Fletcher, Otani, Goslin, Adele in the cleanup spot, Jack Mayfield, Jared Walsh, Kurt Suzuki, Brandon Marsh, Juan Lagares, and Wright, and the, of course, aforementioned Shohei Otani on the mound against the astros tonight so hopefully the angels can get back to winning ways. this won't be the only podcast here at halos heaven we got a lot more to talk about in the days and weeks to come follow us on facebook follow us on twitter it's all at halos heaven uh my thanks to david for coming on to the show and chatting angels i'm Dominic lorenz we'll be back soon enough but keep on listening keep on watching the halos Let's please get back to 500 ASAP. And maybe if there's a glimmer of hope, we get over 500 at some point and stay over that soon. But we'll see what happens. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. But thanks for listening, guys. And we'll look forward to seeing you guys soon here on the Halos Heaven podcast.